edition of the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, episode 242. Ash, come on, mate. What's the Matterson? I hate you. <laughs> My name is Matthew Turner, alongside Ashley Soden, and with special guests from the Purple People podcast, Kyle Smith. Kyle, how are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you guys again for having me on. This is fun. Um, not only to talk about the Lions and the Vikings, uh, if, it, if all goes how I hope it does, we're going to see each other three out of the next four weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm honored to be on and it's cool to have, uh, you know, the UK representing. It's so fun. I, I really want to know what drew you guys to the Detroit Lions, if you have ties in any special way. And I'm just excited to be here, man. Thank you for the invite. Of course. Uh, Ash, how you doing, mate? I'm all right. Um, bit bit windy outside. It feels like we're in Chicago already. We're a couple of months early from our visit there, but... At least it's his little taste of what it could be like. Mm. We're going to get onto the preamble in just a minute. Why don't, Ash, why don't you just address Kyle's question on, on the why lions? Because I know that it's the, it's the favourite question of, of all <laughs> Americans as to what the hell are you doing here? Um, <laughs> what brought so, you to the lions, man? So for me, well, I first got into the NFL, God, 11 years ago now, me and some of my friends at school found out this, about this thing called Madden Mobile, started doing that. So doing the fancy football. And for me, I got drew to Detroit because the place I'm from, Birmingham, is kind of like Detroit, former industrial heartland, got a rough reputation from everyone else when actually it's quite a beautiful city. Plus there's some connections between the sports teams as well. So my favourite team over Aston Villa, lying on the logo, great history, but falling on some hard times, has had good players that maybe get underappreciated because they've been playing for such a team. So yeah, it's just that sort of marriage of love. Started watching, obviously, this was tail end of Kelvin being here. So having him, Stafford, Golden Tate, all these good players. And then certain things happened in the playoffs and then that sold it to me. That sort of heartbreak I felt then felt a bit familiar. And that was, and then it was love from there on out. Invoking the bloody Cowboys game. We're never going <laughs> to rid ourselves of that unless we can have one go our way like that. I can imagine in round one, if we get there, us being run close by a Matthew Stafford Rams team. And that would feel horrific. Kyle, what about you? I know that you're not from Minnesota. Oh, correct. Um, I, I was born in 88. I'm 35 years old. I started watching football around my eighth or ninth year. Um, I remember Brett Favre uh, on the Packers. I liked the player. I didn't really associate teams that much. I remember watching the the really historic and fun Super Bowl where the Packers beat the Patriots. I remember rooting for him the next year, getting beat by the Broncos, and then kind of fizzled out. I did other sports growing up. I'm a wrestler. I'm a UFC guy. I skateboarded in high school. Um, when I joined the military here, everyone has just like this. They have the logo of whatever they love, wherever they're from, and I didn't have anything like that. I remember one of my bunkmates said, you don't like football? Said, oh, I, I like football. Eh. So – when I finally embraced everything that was going down, Brett Favre was making the second decision to go 
from the New York Jets to somewhere else. And uh, I had heard about a running back named Adrian Peterson that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Jared Allen, the defensive end, the crazy roping cowboy. And when Brett Favre signed with the Vikings, something spoke to me to follow that team. And I really enjoyed it. And I hate myself for it now because I could have watched Green Bay win a Super Bowl and dominate the North forever. I could have picked any other team, but they did not have a Super Bowl. And I said, you know what? You can never call me a bandwagon fan. And they had a miracle year in 20, 2009. Um, I hate the New Orleans Saints for that, trying to kill him on the field. Um, I've seen them shank field goals in the playoffs in the frigid cold. I've seen the Eagles run through them. I've been through the gauntlet of highs and lows, but um, I will give my credit to Brett Favre, Adrian Peterson, and Jared Allen. Um, I've been stuck with them ever since 2009, and I haven't looked back. I've been following football since about as long as he then in 2009. So Lions drafted Stafford number one overall, started playing Mazen. Detroit become the automatic team because they want you to play with the number one overall pick. Fell in love with the guy, fell in love with the team. The school team that I used to play for played in the same colours, basically. So I was like, okay, well, that kind of works. And then you find out more about the city and, you know, there's, there's such cool stuff about Detroit in terms of its history and its place in the world and Motor Absolutely. City and Motown and Eminem and whatever. So, like, there's, there's loads of reasons to love Detroit. And then the football has been exciting, even though it's been bad. Like, heartbreak and comeback wins and, you know, like Stafford in 2016, eight comeback wins in this season, which was the most of all time. Like, we're used to, like snatching victory from the jaws of defeat sometimes and that's just like it gets the heart pumping and I, I love that so that's me uh we're gonna crack on with the show of course we're doing lines at vikings just gonna give you guys a preamble as we always do we have got our discord channel which is going strong so i'm gonna put a link in the live chat right now come and join us it's a great place to be all the way through the week uh, College Football Podcast went up on the audio pod yesterday. It was Anne and Ryan talking bowl game predictions part two. I don't actually know what else they talked about because they're not here to say about it. Ash, have you listened to um, it yet? Yeah, I've listened to most of it. So we also discussed a bit of Erling signing day, as much as that pains me as an FSU fan, because we had some paid for Two five-stars flip. Yikes. Well, two? Yeah, two, and then we nearly got a third one, but he said if I heard say. Uh, yeah, so it's general stuff, a bit of head coaching stuff as well. And then I think they dipped a bit into obviously discussing a few of the senior bowl and that rosters because a few of the big players have started doing that and hopped out of uh, bowl games. So it's, it's going to be a good watch, even though it's painful for me, as it always is, because certain events of the past month. Yeah. Yeah. The quicker we get off college football and get into the draft for you in that regard, the better, I guess. Don't forget to like the show, sub to the podcast, all that good stuff, and add Lions Nation Unite. On their Facebook group, it's Herman Moore's project to bring the best in content creators together, including us and Dose of Dion and Micro Mike and all those good guys. So go and join them there. And we are Twitch affiliated, YouTube monetized. There's a tip jar down below in the YouTube chat. So if you want to show some love that way, then please do. There's also a feedback form down there as well. And our merch store is now live. It's maybe a bit too late for Christmas, but there's never a bad time to give a gift to someone. So go and have a look. A uh, quick bit of news before we get on to the Vikings, Ash, is that the Lions have signed cornerback Craig James to the practice squad and have correspondingly released the offensive lineman Michael Schofield. You know I mean, at least something about Craig James. 
Yeah, so cornerback hasn't played that many games. I think most of his starts have been in Philadelphia, where he knows our special teams coordinator, Dave Fipper, obviously used to be their special teams guy. Mostly plays as a gunner, which suggests that this is probably tied to the Jerry Jacobs injury on Sunday. Obviously got benched. He was basically just put back onto your special teams. Hurt his hamstring at some point during the game. Can't remember exactly when. Hasn't really re- hasn't returned to practice. So this maybe suggests that this might be a season ender for Jerry, which is unfortunate with him entering a contract year and having a relatively down season in a way, in terms of perception, when in reality actually hasn't been that bad. But to veteran signing, a bit unfortunate for Mark Schofield, who's probably brought in as O-line depth when we're having our injury issues. But now, since they're all back healthy, well, relatively healthy as they could be at this point in the season, this is just a corresponding move, just to short the cornerback depth. As we get a bit thinner, we get a bit closer to the nightmare scenario of Will Harris taking cornerback snaps again. Happens. No, <laughs> no, please no. Let's get on with the Vikings preview. And we're going to start, as we always do, with the team itself. We're going to have a look at the betting, the injuries, the depth chart. We're going to move on to the offense, defense, and then the matchup in particular. So the Vikings come in at 7-7, seven and seven, so they're 500 at the moment. They have an expected number of wins per pro football reference of 7.6, so slightly under expectation. Their season so far started off badly with the losses versus Tampa Bay at Philadelphia and versus the Chargers. They did get a win against Carolina, but then another loss to Kansas City, a win against Chicago, San Francisco, Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, a loss against Denver, Chicago, and then a win at Vegas, and a loss most recently, heartbreakingly, against Cincinnati. The betting for this game, Lions are 7-10 to favourites, so that makes it about minus 180. The Vikings 29-20, to which is plus 140, 150, something like that. Lions are three-point favourites on the spread, which makes the over-under 47 points on the injury report. Nothing out yet for Thursday, but for the Lions, Jerry Jacobs and Brock Wright did not practice. Limited, we have Derek Barnes, Jason Kabinder, CJ Gardner-Johnson, who will he get activated? God only knows. Levi Onzerike and Penny Sewell, as well as Frank Ragnow, having his weekly appearance on the report for uh, knee, back and toe injury, respectively. <laughs> The Vikings had plenty of players who did not practice yesterday. Daniel Hunter, Alexander Matteson, Byron Murphy, Jalen Naylor, Brian O'Neill, and Harrison Phillips, as well as limited Jonathan Bullard and Harrison Phillips. And in full practice was Jordan Hicks. On IR, of course, the Vikings also have quarterback Kirk Cousins, defensive end Marcus Davenport, linebacker Jordan Hicks, and the running back Cam Akers. I'll go into the depth chart in just a moment. But Kyle, it has been... A tumultuous season because even when you had Kirk Cousins, it wasn't the best start and you've really pulled it back. Then he goes down and you're not going away quietly. Yeah, I like that. Um, I will say, and I said predicting on our channel earlier this year, the best signing of the offseason was Brian Flores. Unfortunately, because we don't play starters anymore in the preseason, it takes you a few games to warm up. With the addition of a a 17th game now, you can afford to start 0-3 and still be in the thick of the playoffs like the Vikings have proven this year. 
Um, heartbreaking loss to Philadelphia. They seem to be the new big brother bully um, in the NFC. I hate losing to them. That town for as nice and as classy as I can say it, I do not like the fans of that city. They make everything very hard to enjoy because they're very nasty towards other fans. I have toured quite a few stadiums in the NFL now, and I refuse to be a, uh, a target there. <laughs> so I'll get off my soapbox. Um, for the Vikings, um, Brian Flores has turned the defense that was overall around 31 last year to a top 10 unit. Um, always making great plays. I think the, the nicest thing that he's done is taking the players that he's given and pulled the most out of them. You guys never heard of Josh Metellus until this year. Um, a Caleb Evans was having a not oh. so good year. Oh, last we year. knew of Josh Metellus. Don't, don't you worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Good, special Some, guy, but, but he's made him a big deal. He is. And we, I, I said in the beginning of the season when he was signed to a multi-year deal, okay, let's see how this turns out. He's, he's been Mr. Everywhere, literally every position on the field this year. Great special teamer. Now he's balling. Um, Brian Flores has pulled the best out of everyone. Daniel Hunter's having a career year. Harrison Smith looks like Harrison Smith of old. Um, Byron Murphy's been a great addition in free agency. But overall, um, I told you guys before we started, when Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles, uh, that, we, should, we should, as Viking fans, have curbed any expectation for the rest of the year. Nick Mullins doesn't strike fear in the heart of anyone. Um, say what you will about Kirk. He may be the corny white guy who's just a family – oriented guy but he's a damn good quarterback and I don't see much difference between him and Jared Goff I find them I put them in the same tier their play is a little different but um I like both of them I think the rotation of quarterbacks and having four different quarterbacks start this year was um not ideal uh I don't think our coach should be fired like some of the Viking fans think but overall to be no, the number six out of seven seed rotating through quarterbacks and playing with backups. And then Justin Jefferson being gone for seven games, I think, something close to that, uh, to go on a tear like they did. I think it's crazy that they're even considered. This could have easily been a washed season, but if they can win two out of the last three, which I'm predicting they will, I think we'll be all right. Um, I Truly, I don't care if we get loose, loose to the Lions twice. I just want to beat the Packers one more time because, you know, they are the enemy. I, I do like our advantage at home. I think we will win one of the Detroit games and beat the Packers. I just I think we're a better team than they are. But I can't believe they're still in it. Um, they have tried to break me this year, and they've came really close. <laughs> those, those Denver and Chicago games back-to-back made me infuriated, losing when both teams only score one touchdown. But um, I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of the coach. And I don't know if Brian Flores is going to be able to stick around. He's probably going to get offers for a head coaching job. So. You'd Enjoy it while it lasts. So. You know, you guys know that problem with your offensive coordinator. He's probably gone and you just have to move on and next man up. So it's the way it is. Ash, what's your is. overriding thoughts of the Vikings this season? Because they have been, I mean, sublime and ridiculous at times. Yeah. So I, I as a Jaron Hall fan, I was kind of looking forward to his one star, obviously wasn't the best and obviously we Lions fans we knew a bit about Josh Dobbs and when we saw the trade at near the deadline we were a bit like how has this guy gone from being on our practice squad one year to the next year being traded for for two teams because obviously the Cardinals traded for him from the Browns and you guys traded for him and starting games and he actually looked damn good and honestly put a bit of fear the fear of God into me because if this defense has one weakness it's the Russian QBs and 
I was a bit worried, but as you quite rightly put, um, you rescued, rescued the season. When Kirk went down, I thought in my head, yeah, this is it. It's now just between us and the Packers for this division. And you guys pulled it back. Hawkinson, obviously we traded him to you a couple of years ago. He's really stepped up and been a primary weapon while Jefferson was out. Jordan Addison, who I've seen the sort of the best of and the worst of in the past couple of years, obviously him being at Pearson in uh, USC, sort of fall, in a way falling to you in the draft, him stepping up as well, being one of the best rookie receivers in this class. You guys have really sorted out the offense. And I agree, Kevin Collins should be, uh, shouldn't be gone. And as you said, Flores has turned that defense around. Like, I remember the Domitel shells, the umbrella coverages, we, the, the perfect, well, the imperfect scheme to go against our offense that likes to use the under stuff and the in between the numbers. Flores has completely changed that. And I know, obviously, he might have a bit of a bad reputation with us Lions fans because he's a former Patriot guy. But damn, <laughs> if someone could probably get the best of our offense, it'll be him with his blitzes and that could cause us problems. Yeah, last year. 40-something percent of the time. It's unreal. It's crazy. <laughs> Not to interrupt you, but um, you guys are familiar with Anthony Barr. He is back on the team. He is wearing old linebacker Eric Kendrick's number. And I just thought this was funny. Just as a general football fan, as you and your fans on the show might uh, enjoy, our guy that does all the, um, the games, Paul Allen, the guy, he's loose, that guy. Really energetic, fun guy to listen to. Uh, he's sitting down with Anthony Barr. He's wearing Eric Kendrick's number. It's weird to see, but he says, how is it playing for Brian Flores? And he goes, I'm going to tell you straight up. And I, I, if you don't want me to swear, let me know. I'll edit it. No, no, no. You go. You go. It's, it's a Lions uh, show. You've got to swear. <laughs> well, he goes, <laughs> he goes, I looked on paper. I was like, is this guy fucking serious? We're not really going to do this. And he's like, and then you get in practice and we do it. And he's like, I'm going to tell you what. He's like, he's a psychopath when it comes to the defense. He's like, but <laughs> when you play, it's really fun to play into that. And I, I appreciate that as a fan because now that I've stepped back from just watching a receiver get the ball, I watch the line and I try to see who beats the pass rush. I try to pregame whenever there's going to be a rush and be like, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. I watch you guys when my, my offense is on. I watch my defense when your offense is on. And I some of the stuff that he's done this year is it would conf it confuses me sitting in the stands and I'm thinking like, oh terrifying of these giant humans that are running around but i i just thought it was fun i like to share it it was a weird uh it's a weird year yeah anthony Barr's back on the team like i don't know what this year is i really don't we're not gonna i listen this is what i know here's your shocking news of the day on this lions podcast the vikings aren't winning the super bowl this year i could tell you that <laughs> they're not doing it you know what our super bowl was beating the san francisco 49ers on monday night football all i did was post the thing of kirk dancing from last year in his chain. And I was like, does Monday night count as primetime? Because I know he doesn't win primetime games. Does this count? That was my Super Bowl this year. <laughs> I mean, we had that in week one with Kansas City. I oh, mean, I couldn't it believe very it. very similar. I was so <laughs> rooting for you guys. My dad's a diehard Chiefs fan. And I was like, did you really at home? <laughs> it was it's very weird sweet. Season. It has been a weird season. Let's go through the Vikings depth chart and – at quarterback, at the moment, quarterback one is Nick Mullins. It's not Josh Dobbs at two, though. It is Jaron Hall, and Josh Dobbs is the emergency third guy at the moment. I don't think that's going to change for this game, but you never know. Running backs, Ty Chandler has to be running back one at this point after what he's done uh, recently. Alexander Matteson injured. Will he play? Not sure yet, probably. Uh, Kenny and Wangu 
as well back there. And Cam Akers, we've said, is on IR. Wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, and Brandon Powell. Tight end, we know well, TJ Hawkinson, backed up by Josh Oliver, Johnny Munt, and Nick Muse. Fullback, CJ Ham, one of the better fullbacks in the league. Starting five on the offensive line, Christian Darasaur. Is he better than Penesul? Maybe we'll never know the answer to that question. Ash, don't give me that look. Um, Dalton Risner, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, and Brian O'Neill, backed up by some better names. There. There's some depth in this offensive line. David Questenberry, Blake Brandle, um, and Austin Schlotman, as well as Chris Reed and Hakeem Adenergy. I think that's how you say that. Um, and then the defense. Uh, base three force, the three down linemen, Jacqueline Roy, Harrison Phillips, Jonathan Bullard, backed up by Sheldon Day, Kyris Tonga, and then James Lynch and Dean Larry on IR. The outside linebackers are Daniel, uh, Daniel Hunter and DJ Wanham, backed up by Pat Jones, Andre Carter, the second, everyone's favorite, supposed second round pick from last year who fell undrafted, I think. Was he undrafted I've, in the end? Ivan Pace. Uh, Ivan Pace, of course, but the, yes. Andre Carter was from Army, right? He he was yeah, leading in sacks yeah. in like the second season of his college career, and then oh yeah, my goodness, I don't remember. Away, yeah. I should. I'm a terrible <laughs> fan. I, <don't> <laughs> so, I think maybe he was a seventh rounder, but yeah. like he was firmly he was a, he, in like day UDFA. one, day two conversation the year before, yeah. and then he fell a long way. Uh, and UDFA, then yeah, yes, everyone's favorite, including Anthony Fitzpatrick, who's not here, but our college guy, was like. You have to take this guy day two. He's absolutely incredible. And then falls undrafted. And lo and behold, I mean, he is your second highest ranked defensive player per PFF. So, you know, he's done all right, along with Troy Dye and then backed up by Brian Asamoah, who was a second round pick the year before. And Nick Vigil. Uh, back four, uh, DBs, uh, Caleb Evans, Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum and uh, Byron Murphy. Backed up by Mecky Blackman, Josh Metellus. Theo Jackson and Andrew Booth Jr. And then there's Lewis Seam, former first round pick, as well as Jay Ward and Najee Thompson back there as well. I know with your shaking your head, you know that that was an interesting pick. Andrew Booth and Lewis Seam, two picks that were, of course, owned by the Lions at some point in time. Uh, special teamers, Greg Joseph is the kicker. Punter is Ryan Wright. Pump returner is Brandon Powell. Kick returner is Kenny and Wangu. And a long snap is Andrew DePaola. Kyle, how are you feeling overall on the, the starters and strength of the team? I think there's a reason why, even with QB1 down, that you guys have managed to stick around. Um, yes. The first thing, we'll start with the offense. Uh, I do believe Nick Mullins gives us the best chance because he was here. He's a career backup of being in San Francisco before. Not sure if he's been anywhere else, but I remember him for a while being the backup in San Francisco. He learned under Kyle Shanahan, which is a great place to learn. Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins, he knows the system. He's as close as you can get to Kirk between these three quarterbacks that we have now. Um, the reason we stuck around, two reasons. Brian Flores and all of the defense that he's pulled out the best product from. And this offensive line has been sneaky good, which was the glaring obvious need last year. It somehow has gelled. Um, I do love Christian Derisaw. I do like your guys' uh, left tackle. He's very good. Dalton Reisner, uh, Risner, however you say it, was one of the funniest things for the Vikings. Twitter basically bullied our GM into signing him, and um, he did, and he's been amazing. He's been great. 
Um, I'm not sold on Garrett Bradbury. I did meet him earlier this year at my former hometown airport where I, where I used to work. Um, nice guy. And I, I just, I would like a bigger, beefier center. He gets pushed around. He's a little small, undersized. Um, I forget who we have at right guard. Ed Ingram's been out. So I forget who they've slid in there the last couple of games. Brian O'Neill was a fixture on the line. Um, he got hurt a couple of weeks ago. And I see that he's still not practicing, but David Questberry did a good job filling in. Um, I have to tell you guys this because you guys can laugh at us and for whatever you guys got out of the pick, I think it was Jameson Williams. That's great. TJ Hawkinson's about to have his first thousand yard season with us. And I am very, very excited. He's very close. Um, and here's the thing. I, I say this and it's going to sound backhanded, but I mean it well. I could not for the life of me believe this stat the other day. Uh, the most recent game in Cincinnati, he set a Vikings record for receptions in a season by a tight end. And then my first, you know, the words ran out of my mouth before I could catch them to bring him back was, really? I've seen this guy drop like 15 passes this year. And he's still got three games left. He's going to break 1,000 yards and 100 receptions for a tight end this year. And that's incredible. Um, for, for all the, the good that you've gotten from us and our GM that you might have swayed and robbed, we thank you very much for TJ Hawkinson because he's everyone's favorite security blanket. Uh, I knew at some point Justin Jefferson would get hurt, but um, I love TJ Hawkinson. Jordan Addison's been like crazy good. Uh, he's not there every week, but when he's on, it's crazy how he just shows up and has 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. Um, defensively, I, I like the defense as a whole. They're crazy. They blitz a lot. Um, they are ball hawks. They play very physical. I love a physical defense. You guys have a physical front seven, and I appreciate that. Um, man, uh, you can't help but wonder, and I'll shut up after this, is you can't help but wonder where they would be. If Kirk Cousins was still here, I think this would be the most watched, like, division race whatever in the nfl i really truly believe they would have won um the denver game i know they would have beaten the bears we won three and nothing against the raiders that was the most infuriating win i've ever watched and last week we lose by a field goal in overtime i can't help but think kirk doesn't have the mistakes that mullins makes i really do believe that we would have double digit wins by now but we'll never know and we have to see what the Mullins machine can bring up. I don't know, man. I I'm happy. I'm lowering my expectations because they're backups for a reason. And I don't mean that as a sleight of hand or dis disrespect in any way. It's just, it is what it is. Um, if they can please find some magic, it's division. You know, the division is always going to be a tight game. Uh, if they can find some magic, they can do well. I know the defense will show up. I just need the offense not to trip over its own two feet. Mm -hmm. Ash, what do you think about the the Vikings depth chart? As you said, it is it's got some it's got good big names. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the league. DJ Hoxson, as much as it probably pains me to admit, he's still top five tight end in the league. I know, obviously, we turned that sort of pick into the best rookie tight end the league has seen for a goddamn while in Sam Laporta. But Hawkinson's still pretty damn reliable. Any of the depth, like Akima Denji, there's uh, that they mentioned in the sort of breakdown, but he's someone who's played a lot of games for the Bengals. I think he's the guy that slotted in at right guard with Ingram being out. But even then, like 
Brian O'Neill, I know he was injured last week. He has been one of the best right tackles in the league over the past couple of years, perhaps a bit down year this year, but he's been up there. I know obviously we've got Saul, who is the best right tackle, if not the best tackle in the league this year, according to PFF. But the offensive line has really stepped up this year. It just shows how in fixing that one week link with that left guard spot can fix the entire line. Because I remember when Dalton got uh, released by Denver, I was like, he's going to go somewhere, he's going to fix the line. And obviously, I know you guys traded away Ezra Cleveland to Jacksonville for peanuts, but him coming in, he's fixed that offensive line. And just because Darasaw doesn't have to worry about who's next to him, he can focus on just blocking his edge rusher. Bradbury's got a bit of help, as you said, because he's undersized. He's a good sort of move blocker, but in those power stuff, he can get overpowered. Another game where we're going to be mourning the loss of Emily McNeil, I feel, for us Lion fans. And in that defence, Daniel Hunter stepping up 15 half sets, career game, career stuff. Ivan Pace, who obviously, as Matt mentioned, Ant absolutely loves as that blitzing linebacker. Perfect scheme fit for you guys. No, he fell because of his size, but as Malcolm Rodriguez showed for us a couple of years ago as an undersized linebacker, size doesn't matter if you know how to use it. And he does with those blitzes. He knows how to get through those A-gap blitzes, which I know, I think it was Zimmer invented God, 10 years ago that these guys still do. And then for someone who, as you know, I know Zimmer's coverage is always complicated. And um, I know that Flores runs a lot of like man coverage concepts, continuous pages. But you fix that because that was kind of always your issue, I felt, with the Vikings defense over the years was Zimmer made it too hard for your guys to really focus and do what their jobs were. They can do that now. And you kind and obviously with Smith being there, he's a very good veteran leader, something that we kind of miss. Byron Murphy having a career year after sort of flaming out with Cardinals. And then obviously Josh Metellus, who you mentioned, you guys drafted him. He's doing everything. And I'm going to ask later about him. He's kind of like your Roy Kent because he's here, he's there, he's every bloody where. Like it's, uh, you guys have really still, like that defense has really stepped up because I hold my hands up and I think Matt can as well. We weren't so high, I think, on the Vikings coming into this year. I think so. a certain member of the panel may, might have said they actually might have been worse than the Bears. But he puts his hand up. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys have stepped up and it's, as you said, this division race between us two, if Kirk was back, uh, would have been here, it would probably be just as watch as this Philadelphia-Dallas race because, because I agree, you guys could really be up there. You guys could be fighting us for division and you would be a higher seed it could be you versus Dallas for instance for that fifth seed that maybe gets the easy matchup against an NFC South team and gets that easy sort of pass into the divisional round so well done like really well done to you guys even though why you keep using Brandon Powell as the push man and your sneak plays <laughs> makes no sense to me when he's literally lighter and shorter than me and that's saying something Ash I love that you mentioned that because Kyle on his show few days ago was talking about that very fact which is funny I did say that I thought the Vikings were going to end up with a worse record than the Bears I did buy into the Bears hype more than I thought that the Vikings were necessarily a really bad team even though I might have said that in secret um out loud but at one and four I felt pretty justified in that opinion and okay Bucks Eagles Chargers Panthers Chiefs Chiefs hard Eagles hard did not think that the Chargers were a good team, even though they got her. But Panthers were obviously a bad team, even by that point. And the Bucks, I didn't believe in. So I felt like one on four was a big switch up on where the Vikings should have been if they were a good team. And then obviously they brought it back by winning against the 49ers. And I mean, a Falcons team that can't decide whether it's going to be amazing one day or 
horrible some others and then losing to the broncos which i think now looks bad after we played them losing to the bears beating the bears it's just an all over the place team which i can't really get my head around so thank you ash for that so daniel hunter limited in practice today but otherwise no change from the injury report um let me give you some more offensive stats and overall stats and we can put this in the picture here is going to be something which I think a lot of Lions fans won't have heard before. PFF have the Vikings ranked as the eighth overall team in the league. Eighth, <laughs> despite being 500, I think they're the highest ranked 500 team in the league. Uh, the offense is also ranked eighth, defense 11th. DVOA have the team 15th overall, which is a pretty significant difference. Offense 21st, just like what when PFF have an eighth. Defense fifth overall, so much higher on that way. I, I really don't understand the difference between those two metrics, if I'm quite honest, but never mind. Quarterback Nick Mullins is going to start. This season, he's thrown 46 passes and completed 35. 76.1% completion rate, 386 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Pass rating 76.4. PF upgrade 65. Uh, I've listed the other quarterbacks, but they're probably not going to play. Running back Alexander Matterson. Is the lead back still? Maybe. Is he? Don't know. Ty Chandler season. Let's go. But anyway, 168 mm -hmm. carries for Matterson, 660 yards, 3.9 yards of carry, no touchdowns on the ground for him. He's also 27 of 41 in the air for 174 yards at 6.4 yards per catch and three touchdowns in the air. PFF grade of 62.6. Jefferson, of course, we have to talk about, even though he's missed significant time, he's still found a way to catching the ball 45 times to 682 yards at 15.2 yards a catch and three touchdowns. PFF grade leading team of 90.2. And Hawkinson, he's having a great year. 91 catches, 902 yards, 9.9 .9 yards per catch. PFF grade of 78.8. Other good grades in there. Ty Chandler, 77.4, having a great time. Uh, Josh Oliver, the backup tight end, 76.9. Brian O'Neill, the tackle, 74.8. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, but yes. Um, wide receiver, Addison, 70.8. There are no badly graded players on offense for the Vikings. That's why they're ranked quite so highly. In terms of efficiency on offense, on third down, they're 15th. On fourth down, they're third. And in the red zone, they are 26th. Kyle, to me, this paints a very complicated picture of a middle-of-the-road team on third down, a poor team in the red zone, Hawkinson and Jefferson, and now Chandler are in, and the offensive line is doing great, and the quarterback isn't screwing it up too much. But they're really struggling in some games and then looking great in others. I think going back to um, what Ash said about the tush-push play, um, probably the worst call of the year running the same exact play back to back, um, having a 185 pound uh, wide receiver pushing, baffling. The worst part of it is watching um, Brian Flores come up in between the first attempt and the next, and you see him visibly say, take the timeout. Um, that's a head coaching experience. That's where some of uh, the pushback on Kevin O'Connell has been. I have no problem with any of the stuff you just read. Um, I like, I'm with you. I don't know how the hell you would grade them eight. I can think of 10 other teams that are better than the Vikings to start. Um, but the only negative, and I hate being that person because I don't, I don't like 
saying this in, in a way that you think I'm attacking on a player for their personality or anything like that. I'm, I'm not after you to t- take your money or be nasty, but Alexander Madison may go the entire season without a rushing touchdown and he's your running back one. He's terrible. He's point blank. He's terrible. I don't know why they thought a guy who came in for relief in Dalvin Cook's absence when he would, you know, do some damage on a defense. You thought this guy was capable of being a running back one. Ty Chandler comes in in one game and has a better outing in one game than he's had all season. I, this is a, a position they need to invest in. They tried with Cam Akers. He looked better than Alexander Madison while he was healthy for a few weeks. Unfortunately, tore his Achilles too, but that's my only complaint. Um, Hawkinson's having a great year. Justin Jefferson could still get 1,000 yards this season after missing like six games um, if he balls out the next three games. I don't know. Um, I know we're going to shift it to the Lions. Um, Biggest weakness for us on the offensive side of the ball now is quarterback and running back. Um, Defensively, I've seen some of our guys make mistakes, especially the last game. It was a really bad defensive game. T. Higgins had the game of his life, um, so that was fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I trust the defense way more than I do the offense, I, I, but it's weird. I've seen them, like you said, we're poor in the red zone, but I've seen them make these splash plays where Jordan Addison rips the ball out of a guy's hand and takes it for 45 yards. You know, I've seen a broken play. I've seen a screen do magic and, you know, get 35 yards. I I don't think this team has had one consistent game outside of the 49ers games um, on both sides and I just want to see that consistency to end the year I think going forward sticking with one quarterback and one style and one game plan will be very helpful I think they're kind of brushing off the dust of a terrible Las Vegas game a heartbreaker in Cincinnati if they can just stick with one guy and find a formula and exploit the weaknesses and I'd love for you guys to tell me because I haven't watched enough Lions footage I can only tell you what I've heard online and I've heard that your secondary is a little suspect that's all I've heard. I don't even know if that's true. I know that your offensive line is good, and I don't like that Aiden Hutchinson is as advertised. I was hoping he would be uh, much like a Lewis scene, a bust for us, but that is not the case. It is quite the opposite for you. Yeah, yeah it has yeah. been. Uh, Ash, we'll, we'll come on to the Lions in, in just a moment. What, what do you think of the, the Vikings offense? I mean, the stats there, I mean, we're, we're shitting on Madison. He hasn't scored a, a rushing touchdown. <laughs> But he's going at almost four yards a carry. And, you know, as a as a power back who's destroyed the Lions on several occasions. Sorry, were you going to go there, were you? Um, no, I, was gonna go. <laughs> I mean, we are I, I don't think it's unfair to say that we are we are not um, forgetting about him. Yeah, as well, as you quite rightly put, Masterson always seems to have career games against us. That's crazy that you say that because I can't think of one time he's had a career game in his career. I I just review, I just remember him as the backup to Dalvin. He's a nice piece, but I, I'll, I'll echo it again. I don't know how you objectively sit down as a coach and say that guy's running back. Number one material. It baffles me. He's not that good, but you can remind (laughs) me. I, I don't, I just remember in recent years, we split with the Lions because that's what we do. You guys got better, and it annoyed me. I was like, I thought the Lions were terrible all the time. I thought we just had to worry about Green Bay. And it's like, no, 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 the Lions are here, and they're they're causing quite a ruckus. So in 2021, he had 25 carries for 113 yards in the game in Minnesota. And then in the reverse game at Detroit, he had 22 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. 
So all in all, in the two games, he had 203 rushing yards. Yeah, it's it was it was mostly a symptom of the pencil head. Well, the Philadelphia defensive coordinator days, shall we put it? We don't <laughs> oh, mention wow. his name on this on this podcast anymore. But you probably saw my eyes uh, widen a bit in fear when you said that you were looking at the running back market because. I know what you guys are like with uh, Florida State running backs, and there's a certain one coming out this year who's pretty damn good, so please don't break my heart and take him. <laughs> don't make me have to cry when I watch Trey Benson tear apart our run defence next year. But as quite rightly put, you guys, the, the playmakers have stepped up when you've lost Kirk. They've stepped up, obviously, Jefferson being out as well. Addison stepped up, took his place. Hawkinson, he was pretty well, he was kind of consistent with us, but he would be consistent for about half a season then fall off the face of the earth. You'd always seem to have a good first, like, six, seven games and then just disappear for the rest, probably get 20 yards. He's been that consistent guy since he's got the bag for you. He's been that security blanket for you. And as I said earlier, the offensive line has stepped up as well with the addition of Ryzen. So it's, it is a fierce, it is a fearsome offense to come against, especially with Jefferson actually being back now after, obviously, I think it was two weeks ago, he took that, like, hospital pass quite in the, to use an English term, and got injured quite heavily in the chest. Him being kind of back from that. It's scary for us because, yeah, we might not have uh, Amani on our team who would line up upside oh. or draw a holding uh, holding penalty every two plays against, against you guys, flashing back to last year. But, yeah, the secondary has kind of been suspect at times this year. Is it talent? Is it Aaron Glenn just going very zone heavy and not really drawing up pressure. We'll have to see. Last week looks a lot better. We got to the QB a lot more with Ifatu Melafanu stepping up and just having the game of his life, though PFF doesn't agree because he got one touchdown scored on him. It's it's going to be fun to see. This will be the true test, I think, for the secondary and maybe for Glenn because you've probably heard rumblings on Lions Twitter. We're not happy with Glenn. He's been here three years. We haven't really seen that much improvement. We've obviously signed Cam Sutton in this offseason to be a big guy, to be a big investment in that secondary. Brought in CJ GJ, who's hopefully going to be back for this game. It's going to be the sort of this next three weeks against you guys twice and against potential MVP candidate Dak Prescott. It's going to be a real test for our secondary in particular. Oh, I can't believe you said MVP candidate and Dak Prescott in the same sentence. I oh, do come think... on, just because you're a Josh Allen fanboy. Yes, I am a Josh Allen fanboy and I do not make any apologies for it. I, I do think possibly the funniest thing about the Vikings offense is that you force Dalvin Cook to do it without a passable offensive line. And then you get rid of him as he's getting bad and you fix the offensive line. And it feels like Seattle when they get rid of Russell Wilson, they have like no offensive line for Russ. He has to kind of scramble everywhere and then they get rid of him and they fix the offensive line. Like just choose, choose something which is going to work. That's both of the things, not one of the things, but never mind. And the irony there is, you know, you would think with an improved offensive line, the running back would have a better year and he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. And I, Oh, I think we I, – I said it on the show right when we were going on that nice little win streak for a month and some change. I was like, it's week seven and we haven't scored a rushing touchdown. No one. And I was like, how is this possible? Um, yeah, I, I like the offense. Um, I didn't – I'll be honest, and I am – obviously, I'm a Viking fan. I think Justin Jefferson walks on water. I think he's the best wide receiver in the league when he's not hurt for the one time in his career. But I didn't notice him last week. Um, and he had a quietly good game. He had like 90 some yards, 
but it'll it'd be it would be great to have the offense humming if they can hum I should say and having all four of those threats there um I, I, I guess you can call KJ Osborne a threat but Addison Hawkinson and Jefferson the the three-headed monster it's it's really fun to see how they draw it up I just I really hope the coach doesn't get in his own way like he did um and then in the you guys I'll just talk about a part of a game that frustrated me too was the Raiders game three to nothing if I was a fan I would email them and say give me my money back this is a waste of my time um (laughs) they do they do like a a fake field goal and they just punt (laughs) what are you doing I mean there's been some head scratchers this season where for all the reasons I love the guy, I just look at it and I'm like, I don't. And then, you know, talking about the coach, some of the times he gets the negative uh, press or whatever else. It's a lot of the times just the, the players, they haven't executed. I can't tell you how many times I've seen these receivers drop balls this year. And I'm like, you know, if that would have been another first down or this would have been that. And, um, I, yeah, I think that's the rolling theme of this year is bad luck, injuries, and, you know, can we just put it together? I really want to see what they look like because if you can beat San Francisco when everybody's running, you can kind of compete with anyone. They haven't lost any of these games by, you know, crazy – like last year we lost to the, the uh, Cowboys. It was like 40-3. to three. It wasn't competitive. You know, you lose 20-something to seven to the Eagles. All these games have been within a score, so the Vikings can compete, but – it's, it's a matter of – and you guys remember early on in our season, they was just, here's the ball, have it. No, 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 we don't need it. You have the ball. It was – I think by the fourth game, there were 12 turnovers. I'm like, guys, something's got to give here. Um, luckily, they haven't been too bad about that since. But, um, yeah. yeah, frustrating year. Frustrating year so far. You mentioned the one-score games, and Mike Marine had a question, which I was going to leave, but you've touched on it. So Vikings were 11-0 last year in one-score games. This year, they're 6-7 and seven in one-score games after 14. So there's only one game that hasn't been a one-score game. Mm-hmm. They're in every game this year. Kyle, how's your heart with close games? You must be used to it by now. Um, how do I put this? It'll be funny, because I like to find the funny in my pain. I am the the dumb guy in high school who will keep going back to his girlfriend that he knows is going to cheat on him again. That's who I am. I'm just a sucker for love. You know, I love this team. I will watch faithfully every Sunday. Um, I will hope that they win every single game. But in the end, I know in the back of my mind, like I said earlier, this team's not going to win the Super Bowl. I would almost guarantee my last paycheck of the year fully. I I don't gamble. I promise you they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. I just I would like to see them come together. I if they lose all three and they don't go, I won't be upset. Um, it's a better draft position, and to be honest, it's kind of what should happen with the the quarterback going down. But um, yeah, I think my ultimate goal. It's not really about the one score game question. My ultimate goal is if they get into the playoffs, I just don't want them to get embarrassed. If they lose on a close one or a field goal, I won't be upset. Um, if they somehow squeak out a win like they did in New Orleans a few years ago. Why not? Uh, this is a divisional round team at the very best. That's it. Kind of like the Giants last year. They got lucky because they played a terrible defense in hours and won, and then they went to Philadelphia, and, you know, the truth came out. Um, I think the Vikings are at best a divisional team. But I will give the Detroit Lions their flowers. I have been waiting to say this for a long time, and this will be a kind of a jab, but you guys will get the last laugh because you're going to finish better than us. You're going to go in the playoffs and host the game. 
first time you win the NFC North. It's crazy that that's a stat. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. But, man, I like your running backs. I love your receivers. Your offensive line is sexy. Got to give the shout-out to the big boys. Jared Goff, not appreciated enough. Um, much like Kirk, I think he's a maligned quarterback. Um, defense has, you know, its issues. But, man, you have some young and good uh, free agent signings, good draftees. I love Aiden Hutchinson. I do. He's great. Um, what I would love, nothing would make me happier. Let's say this happens where, you know, Minnesota wins Sunday and they beat Green Bay and we lose at Detroit. You guys win the North. We go to Detroit. You guys beat us. Oh, my God, we won the NFC North. We beat the teams, blah, blah, blah. What I would love is the next week, if it lined up correctly, is you would go to Dallas or Dallas would come to you and you would eliminate the Dallas Cowboys. My goodness, that would be the funniest thing in the world oh, to me. Just to I, end this train, I would – God, I would love that. Now, what happens the next week? Good luck in San Francisco or in Philadelphia in early January, late January, whenever. But that is that to me is what I would love to see, the ideal Detroit Lions season. I would love for you to win and then just shut up because, you know, it's going to happen. The Cowboys are going to get in the playoffs. Everybody's going to scream, we didn't boys, and then they're going to fail again like they always do. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. I'm just trying to work out if, if us playing the Cowboys is even possible. Because is. I don't think so, it is. I think it is. So we would have to be the third seed and Cowboys would have to be the fifth. And then whoever's the second to Philadelphia. No, no, no. Cowboys would have to be six if we're three. Four plays because five. Because if the highest seed... Because uh, the because yes, yeah, so four plays five. The Cowboys beat the fourth seed, and whoever's the second seed beats the lowest seed. Oh right, so in the divisional round, not, yeah. not in the wild card round. Okay, I'm all aboard for that. If, if the Lions can play the Cowboys at home and eliminate them on a false PI penalty where the flag is picked up, I would just be <laughs> so so damn happy. They're not good. They're not as good on the road. I mean, we saw like I like Buffalo. I think they are just kind of like the reverse Vikings of last year. You know, they find ways and just get heartbreakers where they go into overtime, they lose. They should have beaten the Eagles. They should have beaten this team. They are better than their record says. Um, but the Cowboys, I mean, they got embarrassed. And if you're looking at a blueprint, just run the ball down their throat. It's one of the things I learned last week uh, as, a, as a football fan, um, I believe it was Mark Sanchez, was saying, look at the players that they have on the field. They're a lot smaller. You want to run at those guys. Yeah, they're faster than you. But if you want to pound the rock, you don't want to run into this big brick wall, refrigerator-sized men. I'm going to go after the smaller guys. You guys could run the ball on just about anybody. So that's my dream scenario because I know the Vikings aren't going to win the Super Bowl and whatever. Wherever they finish, I'll just be like, yep, it sounds about right. They lost all three of their games and didn't make it. Sounds right. They somehow won the NFC North. Yep, that's the Vikings thing to do. They lost in the wild card round. Seen that before, like – I don't know where this team's going to go. <laughs> I am absolutely buying what you're selling right now. I really, really mm -hmm. am. Guy Utah in the Twitch chat, subscribing at tier one for their ninth month, saying, loving the coverage, fellas. Go Lions. Thank you very much to Guy Utah. appreciate you. Um, uh, we'll get onto that question from Brent in just a second. Just finishing off on the offense, I was watching the Cincinnati game. And I just wanted to touch on it briefly because it was... Crazy, and if you guys want to have uh, a watch of the show that Carl did with his guys on the Purple People podcast, it was really good talking about Mullins and 
what happened in that game and the tush pushes and whatever. It was entertaining as hell. But Mullins is just an interesting guy. I think you said um, take out the interceptions, which, you know, probably aren't repeatable. You, you Ideally, they just don't happen. They're just bad plays, but take them out, you win the game. And I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, but... Mullins with two crazy back foot throws, like falling away out of a sack, completed a massive throw. I think that one was to... There was one to Addison, which was... Oh, one to Hutchinson. Hutchinson, uh, the ball was way behind him. Hutch made an amazing catch. Um, But then the Addison one, which went in for a touchdown, is like, why are you throwing that? And then he had the... (laughs) He had the pick six called back for offside when Hendrickson went offside. So he had some bad plays and take them out, sure. But he also had some ridiculous plays too. So weird kind of guy. I I, I can't make hell's hells of him. I fear him very, very much because he's sort of quarterback. All the Lions fans think, oh, we suffer against a rushing quarterback. We suffer against a pocket passer quarterback who can tear people apart in zone coverage. I My know favorite. that Lions fans aren't going to agree with that, but I think that very, very much. We've seen that so much from people like, um, oh, who's the bench Pittsburgh quarterback who started in, in Chicago? It's Trubisky. Okay. Thank you. But he so, was mobile as well. Oh, yeah, mobile. Like, oh, I don't know what the analogy is here, but he wasn't the most mobile guy. He was mobile like... I, don't I, know, I, downgrade, I downgrade from mobile and I say athletic. Exactly, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. was able to step away from that. He's not like a Derek Carr who we've played this year, who is very much how I see Mullins because Mullins used to be the backup four car, uh, for, um, used to be for the backup four car in Las Vegas. And I think he started a couple of games. Him, he is very much like a sort of car, like a sort of Walmart version of Derek Carr. And we've seen what we Walmart this defense version. did for, <laughs> against Derek Carr this year. We've seen what we uh, we've done against Jimmy G, who is. Basically, just a sexy version of Derek Carr. This it might be it might have been a trend of the past where we had other play calls, but this year we seem to do really yeah, well against okay. those kind of guys because Hutchinson's able to get the pressure, and then either he gets the sack, which has been rare because usually he's been held like a teddy bear, or someone else like a Bruce Irving can come in and get and clean up the sack. So I kind of put in his, historically, yeah, we just struggled against. Weird backup quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Like we just struggled against and, quarterbacks. We, we struggled against quarterbacks <laughs> and tight ends. For now, it's just tight ends. As we'll come on to later, it's just tight ends. Now, I think we might we'll have a better day against Mullins than we could have done against okay. a Dobbs or a Hall. I take your point. And I'll, I'll move over to the defense because we've spent a long time on the offense. So some defensive stats for you guys. Your tackle leader, this is the first team we've covered where this is true this season. Your tackle leader is a safety. Uh, Cameron Bynum, two interceptions, nine passes defended and a forced fumble, half a sack, 112 tackles, two tackles for a loss, a quarterback hit, PFF grade of 79.5. Daniel Hunter, uh, Daniel, as someone tried to correct me on, on Twitch for, Daniel Hunter, two passes defended, four forced fumbles, 15 and a half sacks, highest in his career per season, three games to go, as you have said. 67 tackles, 21 tackles for a loss, 20 quarterback hits and a PFF grade of 76.6. Byron Murphy has been a good signing for you guys. Three interceptions, 13 passes defended, a false fumble, a fumble recovery, 57 tackles, four tackles for loss, PFF grade of 57.9, and an Ivan Pace, an interception, 
two passes defended, a forced fumble, two and a half sacks. Amazing that isn't higher, actually, given how well he blitzes. 77 tackles, two tackles for a loss, seven quarterback hits, and a PFF grade 78.9, as I said before, second in the team. Other good grades, uh, cornerback Blackman, 78.7, linebacker, obviously, uh, Hicks, but he's on IR, 76.7. Metellus, the safety, but safety, linebacker, corner, defensive end, whatever you want him to be, 73.8. And Harrison Smith, the safety, 72.8. The bad grades in there, Pat Jones, the second, 35.3. And Lowry, defensive tackle, 47.4. Um, it's a great defense. And on third down, however, it's 23rd. And on fourth down, it's 32nd in the NFL, and in the red zone, it's seventh. So I guess it's blitz happy. It brings fans and pressures. It's not great on third down or fourth down, but it tightens up in the red zone. And somehow those things don't add up to me either, because if you're good at blitzing, surely you're giving up big plays on the back end, and that hasn't really happened. But if you're a blitzing aggressive defense, how does that work in the red zone? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. The people that sit back and just kind of trying to defend everywhere in the zone seem to, to me, do better in the red zone. And yet you guys have been tight there compared to third down. So, Kyle, make it make sense. Um, this team, I wish they would do what they do on second down, on third down. Um, I will say for my money and for what I've seen, the blitzes will come heavy on the second down to put you in a third and long. What I wish would happen is – um, maybe you don't have to send the house on third down, but to lock up the play, no matter what it is, as long as the first down isn't achieved and you don't get past the sticks, I wish that mentality would shift to the third down so you could get the defense off the field, make the other team punt and get another chance to score with your offense. Um, you'll see a lot of fronts where there's going to be seven or eight guys there. They're going to back off. You're going to see that again on the next play. And then, oh, oh, shit, there's six guys coming out. Somebody's unblocked. Hopefully they make a play. Um, you're right. I have seen, especially of late, the last month, um, third down has been pretty 50-50. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. I've seen that a lot of teams have success on fourth down against this defense, and it's infuriating. Um, but you're right. Uh, going through the last couple of games, minus the Cincinnati game is a little more high-scoring. You play the Broncos, they don't score a touchdown until the final two minutes. It's just field goals. The, the Bears only scored field goals. The Raiders, who just put up, what, 60-some points on the Chargers, scored zero against the Vikings at home. I, I can't make sense of it. Um, I can tell you the most consistent thing is Brian Flores loves to blitz. There's a lot of pressure. Love to throw the quarterback out of rhythm, which I can appreciate, especially from last year where it was pretty much non-existent. The pass rush was uh, anemic, as I like to say. Um, and I really do love the DBs and the linebackers. They they keep the uh, most of the plays in front of them. They don't get beat a lot uh, on the back end. They don't get burned. But I love the fact when they can get uh, an offensive player in front of them and they have to make the tackle. They'll make the tackle, but somebody's, you know, you'll see three guys coming to the ball. Somebody's trying to punch the ball out. So I would, I would tell anyone, and I'm, the Lions do their due diligence on watching film, you know, guard the ball because we, we're pretty consistent on that. When we're not giving the ball away on offense, we are definitely forcing a turnover on defense somewhere in the game. And I don't know if it's just luck, but ironically enough, it's happened um, enough where it's happened in a crucial moment in the game, kind of when there's a lull where you need that spark in that play. And then here comes Harrison Smith. Here comes Josh Metellus knocking the ball out. So 
Um, the thing that scares me on our defense for you guys is uh, you have some speedy receivers. And if there's ever a play where somebody is kind of lazy and takes off, there's Jameson Williams taking a 60-yard pass to the house. I don't, I don't want that. I want you to earn. I want you to earn your touchdowns. If you're going to have a play, have a T. Higgins play where it's turning around and spinning it into the – like, what can you do against that? You can't really do anything there. Um, I don't know. That's, that's my biggest fear is getting burnt on a big play. But I'll be interested to see how the pass rush works against uh, a good offensive line that you have. Um, I'm very interested in what you said. Panay Sewell is your right tackle. Yeah. I'm very interested to see if it's him and Daniel Hunter lining up against each other. That'll be a fun, that'll probably be where my eyes go all day. Um, sneaky players to watch out for, for us. Ivan Pace, DJ Wanham. When you're covering Daniel Hunter, don't forget about DJ Wanham. Um, he's, he's a definitely a second string guy, but he reminds me a lot of what Everson Griffin used to do for us. Um, he'll sneak in and, He'll quietly have like an eight or nine sack season. And you're like, damn, he's actually pretty good. Uh, good rotational guy for us. Yeah. Eight sacks for him on the season. Yeah. So you're, you're right <laughs> on the money. There we go. Uh, Ash, what do you think when you see this, this Minnesota defense? Because I mean, there hasn't been a bigger shift from a side of the ball from any team in the NFL year to year. I don't think. Yeah. Probably compared. Yeah. Like sneaky folks. Um, I've got a point. Ivan Pace will not be sneaky to us. I will. I believe, and Ant will be so heartbroken if he makes a sack on uh, on Sunday <laughs> because he will number one. He'll be happy for that guy because trust me. Like what I'm like with some of the FSU players, he was like that Ivan Pace last year. He loved him to pieces. So he's going to be in two minds. But yeah, like this defense is going to be hard to go up against because. Goff, when he when he has time, he can pick apart the zones. We've got one of the best wide receivers against zone this in the league the past couple of years in Amara St. Brown. He's just a constant zone beater with his route running. Be interesting to see how we go up against the heavy man coverage. Which is, uh, because you said Amara can probably get some plays in that, but he's better against zone. Laporta, maybe not our best weapon against that other than JMO, because as soon as you mentioned him, I remembered Jam uh, Jameson Williams' first ever catch in the NFL kind of was against you guys last year for a big touchdown on the post <laughs> I remember that. But, yeah. and if there's a guy who could maybe do that he is slowly but well say so sorry last week was for the most part a breakout game for him before that he was averaging like two touches a game like a no, that was the most it wasn't averaging that was, that was his max yeah he was maxing that and now he had like i think it was six four targets was it yeah. Uh, no, four seven target. targets, four catches. There were seven targets, four catches. We started using using him in different ways. You might have seen his rushing touchdown a couple of weeks ago. We'll have to just repeat something like that again, even if it's just a fake and then we've got Gibbs coming the other way to score. We're slowly integrating him into the offense. Gibbs is someone I'm going to be very interested to see. She said, we've got Montgomery, who kind of is the sort of refrigerator-style back, even though he's kind of shifty. Gibbs against your linebackers might be a fun watch because... Obviously, Hunter and one of good edge rushers, but if Gibbs can get to the corner against them, he might be going for six. So that'd be kind of the matchup sort of offensive line. Can they get the holes for Gibbs to blitz through? Because again, that's someone who a couple of weeks into the season, certain parts of Twitter were already digging on the pick. And hopefully they're all sitting there eating their words now because quietly he has been a damn really good running back this season. We might be, I think. We might be the first team in quite a while to have 2,000-yard receivers and 2,000-yard rushers in the same season. That is because obviously that, got Am I think it's Amara and Laporta 
for oh if Laporta gets to a thousand that'll be great but I'm yeah. I'm fading that at the minute it's fade so don't Ambrose Ambrose already over it he's top five but yes Montgomery Gibbs for the rushing like what but it's just going to be so fun to watch because we haven't really gone against a team like you guys in a while we've gone up against the Bears the Packers the Broncos or more zone heavy kind of guys you guys are uh, man heavy. We've seen a couple of blitzes, but not at the rate you guys do it. Like, I think over the past couple of weeks, the only team that's been close to you in blitzes has been us, and that's been out of necessity because we haven't been getting to how to get pressure like you, unlike you guys. Because you said you've got DJ Wanham, who's that complimentary pass rusher. We have half version of Hunter with Hutchinson to, uh, third in the NFL in pressures, but he's got no one next, like the other side to really help finish the pressures. You might get a flash play from Bruce Irvin, who makes a good sack and then a quarter later decides to practice for his NFL, uh, his WWE career by absolutely spearing Derek Carr into the ground. We have we had Ali McNeil in the middle getting some pressure. He's obviously on IR, so we're having to look for one of my underrated guys, Josh Pascal, to step up in the middle. We need someone else other than Hutchins to step up against your offensive line to do stuff because otherwise, who knows what might happen. So Laporta needs... 242 yards to become an 1,000-yard receiver with three games to play. He would be the third tight end in history to do that in his rookie season, which would be very, very cool. Um, and then so the the record's, what, 1,061? I think yeah. it was. So he needs 304, no, 300, yeah, 304 yards in three games. Possible. That's very possible. possible. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm slowly but surely swinging you back into favour of that happening. Maybe, maybe it can happen. Okay, let's go on to the <laughs> matchups in particular. We talked about defence. Uh, we take both the run game, passing game, and look at it from both sides of the ball. And we're talking about the Vikings' um, uh, defence. So we might as well start there against the Lions' offence. So let's start on the running side of the ball. Uh, so the Lions' run game has been... Fairly hot all year. However, they have gone away from it when they get behind in games early. And so the coin toss somehow has become really important to the Lions recently. Um, Kyle, obviously the, the defense for the Vikings has been great. But specifically against the run, how do you feel against that and against Montgomery and Gibbs and that offensive line? Um, not an exciting answer, but I think if you if it's a run-heavy game, um, you wear the defense out, you'll get some uh, you'll get some progress. I don't think that is the plan. I think it's a very boring answer, but as balanced as you can be to open up, you know, the run will open up play action, um, maybe a surprise screen here or there. I've seen the Vikings this year compared to last year where they couldn't stop a nosebleed. Um, they've been very stout in the run game most of the time. When I say most, I say 50 to 60% of the time. Um now, I do remember earlier in the season when Philadelphia just said, we're just going to run for seven yards of play, deal with it. Um, if you guys can do that, that would be great. Um, this is a good little tie-in for that. Um, we, we mentioned earlier uh, with the depth uh, – I'm sorry, not the depth chart, the injury report. Uh, Jordan Hicks was a full participant yesterday and today. He has been out, and uh, he is eyeing his return as I'm looking here – where is this from? Oh, yeah, this is up in Minneapolis. So this is uh, one of the news channels is hoping to play on Christmas Eve. Uh, he had a weird kind of infection. He had to have a quick surgery. Um, so I'm not sure uh, if he'll play again. They may err on the side of caution there, but 
uh, he would be a nice addition again. Mm. He's not going to blow you away, uh, but he was the signal caller for the defense. He was the green dot for us. Um, quietly having a good year until he got injured a couple weeks ago, but I'd like to see him come back. But to answer your question, um, with Harrison Phillips out, I think you have a better chance. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to play. He didn't practice this week unless he's just a full or a limited tomorrow. Maybe he'll go. He's he's kind of uh, kind of had a resurgence this year. So I'm hoping he can play. If not, uh, Kairos Tonga will take his place. He's an all right player. I'm getting any guys to step up, though. I need Jacqueline Roy or Jonathan Bullard to have a good game. Uh, yeah, now that I look at it uh, here, Harrison Phillips did not practice with a back injury Wednesday or Thursday. I don't like that for us. <laughs> I need the big boy in the middle to do what big boy does. So, Ash, what do you reckon? Is that going to be the plan of the attack for the Lions? I think so, yeah. So, obviously, we've got the two stable running backs for a reason. It is our offensive identity. We are a run-heavy team. And as, well, I said the opposite last week, but we need, I think, with you guys, because of the way that you run your defence, we do need to run the ball to sort of draw those safety forces. Then we can hit you deep. We can start using JML like that. We can use Josh Reynolds like that because he's kind of underrated as a deep threat. I know he doesn't have the speed that JMO does, but this is a guy who's like top five in yards per reception in the league with a certain, I think it's 20 targets cut off. Like that, like I remember opening the season, it's like first five, six weeks of the season. Every catch of his was either going for a first down or a touchdown. He's got that chemistry we've got, especially deep. And then as much as we love Laporte and Amon Ra, who are going to probably get those again uh, in certain situations, we probably might need to go for a couple of those big plays because if it does become a sort of grind, a grinder of a game, which it might do, it might be whoever gets more of those big plays makes the least amount of stakes, which will only be another contest considering where we were a couple of weeks ago, giving away the ball three, four times a game. It might just be one of those where whoever can hit the big, the most big plays and keep care of the ball the most on those plays might win out the game. And so for us, we need to have that solid foundation of Montgomery getting four yards of carry, Gibbs getting those six yards of carry. I know obviously last week he had 9.9 yards of carry. He was absolutely going for it. That's not going to be the case this week. He won't be like that. But if we can still keep that ground going, going getting about four, five, uh, 4.5, 5 yards of carry just to keep the chains moving in case we have those situations like we have had in the past couple of weeks where Goff throws a pass and it's just in front of a receiver or just at their feet. We need to have that to fall back on. We can't get ourselves into the third and seventh, third and eighth we've been in recently where we've ran the ball on first down, got pass on second down, and then we're suddenly stuck behind the chains going, what the hell are we going to do? So for me, I think that Ant's plan, which is what we ran last week after we said it, is what we need to do this week. And I, I think that the run defense is the weaker part of Minnesota's game on the defensive side of the ball. But you have to make them respect the pass game in order to stop that. Because I fully expect Minnesota to be very close to the line of scrimmage across the board. Like, prove to me you can pass over the top of us first. Because I think a lot of people know by now that Jared Goff, not the best deep ball passer. So why have people deep? What's the point in that? And with a blitz-happy team, you have to pass the ball quickly. So what's the point in deep safeties? Like, if you want them in coverage, having them deep is just creating space on the field. So 
And, uh, you've seen what's happened to the Lions when people have actually put defenders in the centre of the field and forced Goff to throw outside the numbers quickly. If I'm designing the game for the Vikings, and if if your TC wants to be a head coach, some basic scouting should tell you, maybe let's slightly te- tweak what we do, still keep our identity, but flood the middle of the field, and that's going to come with a lot of like run blitzes. I expect them to put pressure on our run game very, very early, and we have to earn the right to do it. The other part of that is that if we go, oh, they blitz a lot, we're going to, as an extension of the run game, throw out some screens. We're going to have some, um, uh, you know, what's it called? Um, bubble screens, running back screens, screens that, kind of, yeah. that sort of thing. The Vikings are very good at defending those things. Um, think about the lines when Branch and Jerry are in coverage and coming down quickly. Like, that's what I saw from the Vikings last week. So... If we try to respond to the pressure by doing that sort of thing, I expect the Vikings to match that very well. I think we could get ourselves into a lot of trouble very quickly if we try to run that way. So I want to see us come out playing the way that we did against um, Denver. Denver. Yeah, so pass the ball early. And everyone's going to go, oh, why are you doing this? We know that the running game is the way to win. Yeah, but make them respect you first. And the bit of our game which is not respected as much, even though... We might have two 1,000-yard receivers. Is somehow the passing game still. So let's pass the ball. Let's find those holes. Let's get JMO involved. Let's get Khalif involved and Reynolds involved. And I think the running game will absolutely flourish, flourish come even the second or third drive. But I expect them to come out passing the ball. And if they do, I think we'll win on the ground. But if we don't, I think we'll lose on the ground. And I think that's where the game will be won. Who wins the run game on this specific side of the ball? So... For me, that's all important. Flipping over to the passing game, I'll come back to Kyle now. Your DBs, your linebackers, you are very confident in that kind of second and third level of your defense. Our wide receivers, you've heard a few of their names from from Ash earlier, and I'm sure you've heard of Alma Rouse Brown before. How do you feel about that matchup? Because I feel like that's strength on strength. Yeah, I, I as a they would say if we did joint practices all summer, this would be iron sharpening iron. I you you have a speedy young guy in Jameson Williams. You have a great tight end that replaced Hawkinson, and I forgot all about Almond Ross St. Brown, and that's kind of like a a sin, you know? How could you? I mean, um, the whole league did three times, so it's okay. Don't worry. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, you need to respect that, and um. It'll be interesting to see how, just how many times they leave it in man. Uh, I like Byron Murphy. I don't love him. He was a great signing because if we just hauled out whoever was on the roster from the draft, we would be in very bad shape. He has played well more often than he hasn't. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think you you kind of covered it well. Um, I, I do suspect they will come in and blitz on the run. Um, I think we can sniff out any kind of screens. Uh, they did – very good job the last few games of stopping those pretty much at the line of scrimmage. Um, where my mind was going to was thinking and looking at your schedule, you'll have the Cowboys, which isn't fun um, in Dallas. I, I wish it was in Detroit, but you'll have them. Then you'll have us again. I fully expect that whatever happens this week on Christmas Eve, two weeks later, the complete opposite, it'll be a completely different game. I, it's going to be so fun to see which Avenue they choose now as opposed to what happens. I know the stakes will be different two weeks from Sunday as well, because two games will have been played. 
but it's just funny to see, to think about, you know, you guys would come out maybe this weekend, you have just a super pass heavy first quarter and then you just run the ball and just pound it for two quarters, opens up the pass game again. You guys win by a touchdown or something like that. And then the next time we play you guys, it'll just be golf's going to throw for 40. He's going to throw 40 times. Fuck it. Let's do it. I'm interested to see overall the change in that and study it. But um, with the injuries, going to have to rely on the secondary. I, I like my guys. Um, I'm just – I'm afraid of the big play. Uh, that's what I'm afraid of. They've been pretty good against it this year, but there's been some boneheaded mistakes, which I don't want to see happen. Um, it's one of those kind of like with the blitz you live and die by. Um, I could see them intercepting, you know, a, a close pass. I could also see somebody getting tangled up because your route runners are very good. And <laughs> here's a 30 yard pass. Now we're doing damage control to see if we can get them out of field goal range or hold them back to only a field goal, you know, on one play, the Vikings aren't known for that. So I'm, uh, I'm not going to say I'm concerned. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see which direction they go this week. Um, and especially with the injury report, mm. I wish, I, I hope that Jordan Hicks comes back because if Jordan Phillips doesn't come back at, at defensive tackle, I'm hoping Jordan Hicks will come back at linebacker. So there'll at least be more starter consistency, but uh, yeah, your running game is certainly better than ours, so you can lean on it if you need to. And that, I don't like. I don't like it very much. <laughs> Ash, what do you think about our pass game versus their pass defense? Yeah, so as you said, if they do adjust and sort of flood the middle, that's Hammond rather than the Porter. That's their areas. So it will be Jamo Reynolds, and then the epitome of the forgotten wide receiver five, who is sprung to mind in a second because of the speed and the route running. What about the guy who's in the Mahomes zone of separation in the league the past four years with speed? Mahomes? Yeah, the Mahomes zone. So a, a oh, I see. I so see. that's top, top oh, where he's right. best separating league against man, best separators against zone in the league. Khalif Raymond, the yes. guy that I, even I forgot. And obviously, and that's a kind of sin because we have his biggest fan on the show with us in Matthew Turner. Like... Leaf, this could be a game where he has that sort of he's always had one seemingly every year where he does just suddenly goes six passes for 120 yards and a touchdown. This could be the perfect one because or, or, or just even one pass, one pass reception yeah. against Green Bay in week 18 last year, but you know, never mind. We'll, we'll gloss exactly, over so, <laughs> exactly stuff like that. Where because he just like you say, even I forgot him. I was looking like PFF, I was like, so I'm forgetting it. It's Leaf because especially with those man coverage. I'm expecting hope while hoping we're going to do a lot of those sort of mesh concept routes where you force the defenders to go against each other, even if it means Amon Ra has to do the cheeky thing he did a couple of weeks ago where he almost leans into the guy coming so that it makes him collide. Just stuff like that, just to give us that little extra half step of separation against the man coverage. I have faith that Ben can draw that up because he's obviously getting these rumours for a reason. This is one of those games I wait. As I said, we've played a lot of zone recently. We've had some good games about uh, against it. We've had some really bad games against it. Turkey Day, for example. Hopefully, he can use all the weapons we've got, even if it is Gibbs line uh, motioning out as a receiver using that speed as well. The angle routes, which were so damn deadly last week, four of our five passing touchdowns came off angle routes. It's stuff like that, just stuff that forces the defenders to take that half second to think, and then we can get that little bit of extra separation against the man coverage. 
Let's go to the other side of the ball. Vikings run offense versus Lions run defense. And this, it depends on Ty Chandler for me, but I feel like this might be the biggest mismatch of the game. I don't know. We'll see. Kyle, I don't know if you know this, but the Lions are second in run defense in the NFL. So, yeah. So, how are you feeling about... Well, let, let's go, let's assume Ty Chandler's running back one because I feel like that's best case scenario for you. Let's say Madison's ruled out and everyone is really, really happy. Um, Ty Chandler, how's he going to do? Because i got to say, I watched the game last week and he kind of looked like David Montgomery to me. Like, just slippery, getting out of tackles, good contact balance. Like maybe not quite as big of a guy, but not far away. Right. Um, I like the effort after the first initial tackle or wave. Uh, I like the effort a lot. I, I also, and this doesn't say much because I'm not an Alexander Madison fan. I'm very much happy with the vision this guy has. Um, I feel like for what Madison tries to do, he doesn't actually have the athletic compass to do sometimes. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's a great comparison. Do I expect him to have the same game that he had last week? No, um, I did not know your defense in the run game was so stout, but it's kind of the same thing you said. We will lean on the run. This has been an emphasis from Kevin O'Connell, um, especially midway through the year when the rush attack was so bad, um, needing something there. Uh, we will lean on Ty Chandler, but um, to expect him to have 130 some yards again, I mean, I'd love that, but I don't, I don't expect it. But I'm happy that he's going to be uh, he's going to be the running back that we're going to choose because, um, yeah, I believe I had it up here. I, I got out of it. Alexander Madison's still um, still out. A couple of key pieces are actually out for the Vikings starters. But I feel like he probably should have been running back one all along. It's a politics game for us. Um, they signed him to a three-year deal. Um, it was relatively cheap. And because he has that money and kind of that guaranteedness, that's why he was given the starter role, and he's a veteran. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he gives you the best chance to win. I truly feel Ty Chandler gives us the best attack in the running game to win, but that doesn't say much because that's a, the weakness of the offense. Yeah. Ash? Yeah, it's – you said we're very good against the run, but it's – obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't O'Connell sort of the McVay outside zone kind of basis – Mm -hmm. That means it's again it's, we can have to rely on Hutchinson to hold the edge. We have to rely on whoever's lined up on the opposite side to sort of set the edge as well, and the linebackers to flow well. And against the sort of outside zone stuff, we haven't been as good as we have been against the inside zone where we've got the big guys to clog up the middle. We can get that push when teams try and go on the outside against us, and it's more on the linebackers and the corners. They have been getting a bit more joy. And as we said earlier, Patterson always seems to have a good game against us. If we're by the end of Sunday, I'm sitting at home sobbing into a bottle of Bucks Fizz because he's ran over us. So I won't <laughs> be surprised. But at the same That's a time, bleak fucking image, man. I know, Come on, mate. Bucks Fizz, <laughs> can of it, like not even a bottle, bottle of it. But I said, I said a bottle. I did say a bottle. Obviously, it probably be it probably be a bottle of Lidl Bucks Fizz. So yeah. not the best stuff, okay. but. <laughs> if I'm sitting there crying because that happened, I won't be surprised. But at the same time, it's going to be a bit. We'll have hopefully, and you can probably hear me constantly refreshing because it's about now. Our Lynch report should come out. I'm hoping to see at least an FP from Barnes because we're going to need the him. linebackers. 
we exactly we need him because he's getting a converted edge rusher from Purdue. He's got the frame to deal with running backs and the athleticism. Having him flowing well, having Anzalone hopefully another week removed from that hand injury, getting up there. Jack Campbell continuing his steady rise mm. that he's had throughout the season where he's now he's sort of settled into that inside linebacker instead of being put here, there and everywhere. Having him back. Hell, Malcolm Rodriguez, the kind of forgotten guy for us after his great year last year, being put full back in special teams most of the last couple of weeks. Just having guys who can read the run and get where it needs to, they need to get to stop it is going to be a big key, I think, against this run team because, yep, they might not have Dalvin Cook anymore, but we've seen other running backs cause some damage against us. Case in point, Dante Foreman, the past couple of years, not oh. the biggest name in the world, but if they hit the right kind of tread, you can have a day against us, I feel. It feels like we're due as well. I don't believe in that sort of thing, but I feel like I'm repeating a trope that other people would say, so I don't feel so bad. Let's focus on the last bit here before we talk about what we think the game is actually going to do, what the scoreline might be, and then we've got a couple of questions from the chat to finish. The Lions pass offense against the Lions passing defense. Carl, you mentioned that the Lions you think have had some troubles in the secondary lately. You would be correct, apart from in the previous game against Denver, where they woke up for the first time in what feels like 18 months, maybe longer. Um, So, I mean, if the best available evidence is most recent, then we have one good data point very recently. But for the longest time, the Lions have struggled in coverage. And you have a fairly accurate quarterback throwing to a very good set of receivers. I, I'm not looking for much outside the numbers. I really like the, uh, the slants and anywhere we can get these guys, the, the, the three-headed monster I mentioned earlier, in the middle of the field, I think that's where they thrive. Um, there won't be any more hospital balls from Nick Mullins. Um, like I said earlier, he will be the closest you can get to Kirk Cousins out of the three quarterbacks, um, he just he kind of reminds me of him, kind of diet Kirk Cousins. Um, he's <laughs> going to stand in the pocket. He's athletic enough to move if he has to, but it's not going to blow you away. Um, yeah, I, I expect TJ Hawkinson to have a good game. Uh, I would love to see more splash plays from Jefferson or Addison. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who you've got covering, but um, one of those three will be open at least one on every play. So if he can pick that up, We'll see what happens. Um, it's very hard to cover all three of those dudes. I I would guess, and you guys could tell me um, based on what your defense would do, but you're probably going to double cover Justin, Justin Jefferson. So um, I think it would be foolish to leave him in one-on-one. Uh, so then it's, it's the TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison show at that point, but Jefferson can still do what he needs to do. But I I've seen the success all year. I can see a hundred different routes where, um, Maybe it's a delayed run. Um, it's just getting that good separation and cut, which I think of Jefferson and Hawkinson doing. Addison's very elusive for how small he is. I don't, I'm not as big a fan of his size, but, man, he's proven me wrong. But, yeah, I'd say the middle of the field is the best success. Um, like I said earlier, I haven't watched many Lion games. I was very shocked on Thanksgiving um, for that how that turned out. But uh, You and us both. Yeah, I, it's tough, man. I Trust me, I've been there with – the Bears be having a sneaky good games in the division. It's really annoying. But, um, yeah, I, that's all I've heard. And it's just hearsay from, you know, being on a Twitter space and then a Lions fan in the spaces that I'm always in. He's always consistently there. He's a really cool guy. Um, yeah. 
I, yeah. I, I, I want to see the middle of the field. That's where their bread and butter is. And uh, maybe they can hit some stuff outside the numbers. Jefferson catches about anything, but I don't think that's what they're going to rely on. Ash, Carl's talking about double coverage for Justin Jefferson, but he is talking about a Lions defense who managed to leave uh, DJ Moore, the only wide receiver, the only weapon worth covering, <laughs> one-on-one on fourth down and 13 uh, when Hutchinson jumps offside and the Lions blow the game in that play. So is he right that the Lions are going to co- double cover Justin Jefferson? Because I'm not sure that's going to happen, at least not all of the time. Yeah, we're not a team that very much likes doing that. Or QB spying. Like, we just like to play sort of plain vanilla kind of alignments. Hell, we we probably won't even travel. You could call it the missionary defense. I think that would work. Yeah, missionary, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, missionary (laughs) defense. Yeah. Hell, we don't even travel. So we saw a um, case in point of that. The Chargers game with Keenan Aladdin, just watch that second half where they just keep oh, putting him in motion, oh, getting the, uh, the kind of matchups. Hopefully, we got out of that, especially if Jefferson's lined up in the slot, which I know he likes to do about 30, 35% of the time. That means he's going up against next gen stats, number three cornerback in uh, slot cornerback in the league, Brian Branch, who at least has a good shout for being the defensive rookie of the year. Like that dude has been immense for us. He was a big miss in the middle of the season where we didn't have him. Him versus Jefferson is going to be a very fun watch because branches and back down from nobody. Like he will give Jefferson a tough day. Jefferson will probably still get his, as will pretty much every receiving the league. It's impossible to cover everyone for, uh, for ev- all time, all the time, especially with the way that we kind of get pressure but don't finish it off. It is for me again, but it's going to be the outside. It's going to be Addison versus Cam Sutton or Kildorville or, or Khalil Dorsey, whoever is starting on the outside. Because saying earlier, Jerry Jacobs, who was our start, one of the starting corners on the outside to start the year, he's injured with a hamstring. We've been rotating Fildor and Khalil Dorsey. Khalil Dorsey, who only made the roster in the initial roster as a special teams guy, as the backup kick returner and a gunner. That's going to be an interesting matchup to see what happens there if it's KJ Osborne or uh, Jordan Addison or hell Brandon Powell, who Lions fans should be very familiar with because he used to play for us. He was the sort of big, like the slot guy for us. I think even I think it was 2018 we played you guys the final game of the season. He went off, and then he went to Atlanta and basically did call. Like it's that's going to be an interesting matchup. Branch, I can trust. Sutton, for the most part, I can trust. If he's on Addison, probably about 50, 55% completion rate. Probably get one big play, but that's about it. It's whoever's going to be going up against the corner, about two slot. And then, obviously, Hawkinson. We have historic weakness against tight ends. Anzalone, probably our best coverage linebacker, but he has a hand injury. The safety is a bit up and down. Like, I love Kirby Joseph to bits. I'm his biggest fan. He's a single high guy. If you try and put him in man coverage against Hawkinson... Hawkinson's going to have his way. Fatu Melifon Wu had a great game last week. I last last year theorized he could be a tight end matchup for us. This could be a test for that. Or if we get CJ GJ back, that might sort it out. So it's going to be Hawkinson and then whoever lines up opposite our cornerback two on the outside. Those are the big matchups in terms of how you guys can probably win. If we hold them to minimal yards, which is unlikely, we'll probably do quite well. But those are the matchups I'm kind of shivering in my timbers in 
I have so, a question about this, um, just so sure. I can, I, I feel like I know the answer, but if I do, then I'm, this is just setting myself to kick my own self in the nuts. Brian Branch was lifted as a safety, right? Yeah, so he's, um, we like to play a sort of slot safety kind of hybrid thing. So you remember how CJ, uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson played under Aaron Glenn in uh, New Orleans, where he likes us both for safety in the slot corner. We're doing that kind of thing with him. So he obviously, Branch, does that. It's kind of a rising thing, isn't it, with the leagues where when you're playing nickel a lot, teams can exploit that. So you need to have a sort of bigger slot course. It's that kind of thing where he does play 65, 70% time in the slot or in the box, but he also does drop back as a too high safety or even sometimes as a single high guy for us. It really depends on what alignment you guys put out. Because if you put out, for example, Hopkinson and Josh Oliver, he probably is going to play sort of that sort of box safety role where it covers one of them. But if you put out three wide receivers, he'll be lined up against a slot guy. I only ask, um, was he, when was he picked? What round? Round middle of the second. And that was this year, correct? Yes. Yes. We famously traded up with the Packers to pick him and it absolutely broke Packers Twitter. Yeah, I only I only ask because we drafted a safety as well in recent years and he hasn't played fuck all for snaps. And it's the most infuriating thing to see a healthy scratch. Now I understand you got Harrison Smith. I will go and die on the hill for Harrison Smith. He has better numbers and they're comparable to Troy Polamalu. But because he doesn't have the rings, he won't get that coverage. I believe he deserves at a minimum of the ring of honor in our franchise at the stadium should get a look for the Hall of Fame. I don't know that I say guaranteed. I digress. You have him. You have Cameron Bynum, who's came on. You have Josh Patelis. But Lewis Seen can't find his way on the field, not even for special teams. He's a healthy scratch. This is a first overall national champion from the University of Georgia two years ago. Football player. What the hell? But I see the guy that went Kyle Hamilton for the Ravens is doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you guys doing great too. And I'm just like, can we get something out of the first round? That'd be nice. <sighs> I mean, I loved seeing in the in the draft um build up a couple of years ago. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Ash is I just updating great. me with the injury report for the Lions, I'm going to wait for that to come out. Uh, Ash mentioned Defensive Rookie of the Year, and I just want to address that before we come on to the actual predictions. Jalen Carter is minus 5,000 to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. That is 50 to 1 on if you're British. So that is 98%. He mentioned Brian Branch as a prospect for Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'm looking at Bet365, who are the world's biggest sports betting company, I think. Um But Branch is listed, but he is only the fourth joint favourite at 100 to 1. That's plus 10,000. Ivan Pace is listed as 50 to 1, or plus 5,000. So Mm -hmm. Ivan Pace has greater odds, better odds, to win Defensive Rookie of the Year than Brian Branch does. And that speaks to how good he has played this year. Um... Okay, Ragnall, Vet Rest, Levi, Saul, full practice. Awesome. Fine. Good. That's good stuff. Let's move on to the game specifically, not who has the advantage here or there. What's going to happen? And Carl, I'll start this off by actually giving you a hypothetical scenario and then give us what actually is going to happen. And the hypothetical scenario is the Vikings come out of this game with a win. How did you do it? 
and then actually tell us what your score prediction really is. So how did the Vikings win this game? Um, the most boring answer of all sports and football podcasts, don't turn the ball over. That's it. If this team simply doesn't give the ball away, I have faith they will find a way to make a turnover for themselves. Hopefully it will lead to some points, maybe a touchdown. I don't know. Um, and another boring answer. Uh, do what you do and do it well. Rush the quarterback. Rely on your, your playmakers. You have a three-headed monster on the offense. Do that. Um, if Ty Chandler can do half as good as he did last game, I am fine with that because that's still better than what Alexander – I'll tell you a funny thing from my podcast, and then I'll answer you the score. I said going into this year, um, all you have to do is average 59 yards per game on the ground. You'll be a 1,000-yard rusher in a 17-game season. It's not very much. That's less than 20 a quarter. It's, not, it's really not an ask. He, our running back couldn't do that. I need someone to just, at a bare minimum, be the word efficient on the ground. Um, but, yeah, no turnovers. Nick Mullins, uh, do what you do well. I think he's very accurate. I, I don't think that uh, he should be quite as reckless as the last game because there was an interception at the worst possible time in the red zone. But um, it's, it's tough for me to pick what I think will happen. Because as when I say it, I feel like the universe shifts it around. There'd be some weird reason why we lose at home, but we beat you in Detroit. But just has how it goes for Viking fans. Um, I think this will be a touchdown game. Um, I want to go with Minnesota, but with the injuries, I'm going to give you guys the nod. I'll say um, maybe 31-24 Lions. Maybe a little more high scoring than that. I don't trust the Vikings to do that uh, as well. I would love to see them win at home. The energy there is great. It's going to be our whiteout game, by the way. It's going to be amazing in there. I don't know if you saw the Giants game last year, but it's crazy. I visited Minnesota for the first time ever this year and went to the Chiefs game in week five, and it was the stadium is unreal. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. But, uh, yeah, with the injuries, um, right tackle, and um, I forget who else is out. Jordan Phillips is out. I'm, I'm not too sure. And to be honest with you, the last month has not given me any hope as a fan. Um, terrible Denver game, a terrible Chicago game, a terrible Raiders game. They find some kind of – they muster up 400 yards of offense the last game, but they find a way to lose. So um, I have to go in my heart of hearts and say we will win two out of the last three. Um, but I don't know that it will be this Sunday. We need more of our key players back. So I'll give the Lions 31, Vikings 24. I can definitely see win-win-loss or win-loss-loss for the Lions. I could definitely see that. Ash, what do you think? Well, for one, I think you guys have chose this week to be your whiteout game just to stop us wearing our all-whites that we're undefeated in the past couple <laughs> of years. Very, very... I applaud the mind games, really do. Joking. Um, well, not joking about us being undefeated. Them. But, um... <laughs> again, I love how you say finished. joking, not joking. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to still a tiny bit of your prediction. We can't turn the ball over. We, as I meant, referenced earlier, we had a stretch, including our Thanksgiving game, where we just gave the ball away like it was Christmas presents. We can't do that this week. We can't give you an early Christmas present. Goff still has a couple of those throws a game, even when he's on, where it's just so stupid. Like he spins away from a sack, tries to throw it to like 
David Montgomery overthrows him and just nearly gets intercepted by a corner, but they drop it. Something stupid like that we've seen all season. Sometimes teams can capitalise on it. Marcus Peters in the, uh, the Raiders game, for example, can't really have this, especially against you guys. You say, if you're not turning the ball over, you're getting turnovers. So hopefully we can carry it over from last week where we faced a defence that was at that time top in takeaways in the league. Hopefully we can carry that over where we protect the ball, we do what we need to do. And we limit your, as you said, you need your three-headed monster to win out. Hopefully we can at least limit two of them. We can kind of live giving up 100 yards to just Jefferson. I think we won last year doing that. I can't remember which game it was. I think it was the first one where he had like 150 yards on us, but we still won narrowly. We can let one of them go off. But if we let two or more of them, you'll start adding up. You'll collect first downs. You'll get into the red zone. You'll get scoring opportunities. And maybe we won't be able to keep pay. Well, hopefully we should be able to keep pace. We've shown we can, but we not. We might the defence will start flagging. And we've seen where the defence is on the field for a long time. They flag. They give up more and more big plays and it just digs us a hole. We can't let that happen this week. We need to do what we did last week against Denver, where as soon as we get that lead, we don't let up. We just keep pushing. If you score a touchdown, we score a touchdown. If you score a field goal, we score a touchdown. We need to keep that going because otherwise this can get close. And that's not where one where stakes are so high. We couldn't win the division this week against you guys. The first time in life, my lifetime, I exposed myself a bit here. I turned 25 last week. I have never seen the Lions win the division. Been nice to see that happen for once and celebrate it because we have been the punching bags for a while and I really want that to happen. But I think it will be one of those cardiac cat games. So it would be very close and it would just be, it might be one of those where whoever touches the ball last wins. So I can see the Lions winning 31 to 27. I am going to make the prediction that I have made several times this year and it has not come true yet. But I feel like this is the week. The Vikings are a good defense. They are a good coverage team. They are a good blitzing team. The Lions, as I've illustrated, could very well fall into a trap, which I think is fairly obvious. And they got out of it last week because Denver have the same trap, although they don't execute it as well. But I feel like there is a trap which we could fall into. If that happens, I still back us against Nick Mullins. I just think we're going to be okay. I know the receivers are great. I know the tight end is great. But I feel like we can limit that enough. All of that for me adds up into a game where there's not many turnovers from either team. And there's not much offense from either team. So I'm going to go for a limited uh, game in terms of in terms of scoring. I'm going to go 17, 13 lines. Ooh, boring game. I like it. Uh, yeah, I just I, I predicted a, a low scoring game for a while, and I just feel like it's it's coming. So let's see what happens. We've got a couple of questions to get to, but I'm going to wrap up the audio pod, and we're going to do that on extra time. Hopefully, hopefully you have five minutes, Carl, more, and then of course, those. of Fantastic. course. Love it. All right. Audio pod wrapping up now. So there's no live reaction show for this game coming up. I know there normally is. I'm sorry if you were looking forward to it. However, it's Christmas Eve. Go and spend it with your family. Don't don't come hopefully watching us because this is not happening. Go and have a drink and enjoy your Christmas. Uh, review show will be happening 
It will probably be Boxing Day on Tuesday, so look out for that. It might just be me on my own. I don't know, Ash, how you're fixed. I don't know how the rest of the guys are fixed. We'll make something happen at the very least for that. College podcast, it happened yesterday. It's on the audio pod at the moment. I'm going to upload it on the YouTube now. So if you're watching right now, it's coming. Um, but they talked bowl games and all the stuff that Ash said earlier on on the show. Our socials you can find on Rural Alliance UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And our group for worldwide fans is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Private Worldwide. ROCLUK.com is the website. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars. Finally, Kyle, where do we find you? Because I've much enjoyed your show recently. So I'm sure the guys in the live chat would love to know where to find you and and to listen to what you said about the your most recent game because it was enthralling. That I, I appreciate that so much, man. I really do. Um I am a part of the Purple People Podcast. If you are on YouTube, you can find us there, Purple People Podcast. Um, I have changed the format recently. Um, instead of doing pun titles, which you guys started with, which is hilarious, we've had for years and years and years, I changed it to the, the just the name of the game of the week so people could relate. Because sometimes they don't get our stupid humor. And I, I wanted to get more eyeballs, but um, yeah, I'm at Purple People Podcast. YouTube is the best place. We're on Spotify, iTunes, all that fun stuff. I, I push the Facebook and the YouTube one. Um, me personally, and I'll invite you, gents, if you have Instagram, my personal Instagram is at NC, like my state, North Carolina, NC Dog Dude. Um, I am a canine handler for the TSA here in America. I've been a, a dog handler for 11 years now, and um you know, I don't post a lot uh, of anything much outside of music, football, and my son. But I'd love to be friends on there, and I, I appreciate you guys. You have a fan in me. I, I'm gonna push this to my guys, and I will definitely check in and try to get in on the days that we don't have something going on, and just jump in and be like, "Go Lions!" But also, skull. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a, a Vikings fan who has come on the show before a few times who, who has co co coined the term Skull Pride, which I intrinsically hate, but also for the FTP-ness of it, I kind of like it. So we'll leave it on the audio show there. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you after Christmas. Good luck for this weekend's game. Hopefully the Lions clinch tonight and then we don't have to worry about the playoffs. Hopefully the Saints get the win. Uh, but for now, let's go Lions 1 Pride. I'm pride.